but it's good to be here. I like to do a couple of these a, a year or so. I think that's kind of my, my quota for Criterion Now appearances. And yeah, we've got lots to talk about today. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from you again. And uh, definitely, I'm on a roll of podcasting these days. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep that groove going. Yeah, and I think the last time was with you and Trevor, and you and Trevor are doing great work with uh, Inside the Box. I know the last yeah. one was uh, the uh, the Coker trilogy, and then there's mm-hmm. Apu, um, and I know you're working on one now. You want to just talk about what you? I know you yeah. one's, one's yeah. in the can, so to speak. It is in the can, pretty fresh in the can. Just this morning, uh, Trevor and I got together to talk about David Lean directs Noel Coward. That's uh, spine number six hundred and three. Mm-hmm. And this set was released in 2012, like nine years ago. Can you believe that? Um, still feels wow. like a relatively recent release. This is, uh, of course, we might remember those oh, longtime Criterion heads. Remember the teaser, the lean cow herd, those skinny <laughs> right, cattle right. that uh, Jason Poland drew as part of their kind of monthly teasers there. And it's David Lean, of course, the great director, Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Zhivago, River Kwai, and, and many, many others. Those were the films he's probably the most famous for, but this is kind of the beginning of his career when he was collaborating with Noel Coward, who was uh, really one of the great British kind of cultural figures of the 20th century. He could do it all. He was a song and dance guy, a playwright, uh, just kind of a wit, kind of a, yeah. you know, a guy who could just kind of, you know, hold center stage, telling stories and jokes and composed music but uh, you know he was very successful kind of a George Bernard Shaw kind of a little bit later in time than Shaw but that similar type of status you know kind of a renaissance man came from very humble origins but kind of really set this set the tone for a lot of uh, things happening in, in English theater at the time and these two guys who really went on to you know magnificent careers collaborated in the early 1940s uh, as Britain was at war and made some really excellent films, including Brief Encounter, yeah. which is part of this package. And uh, it's one of Trevor's favorite films of all time. I like it quite a bit as well. So we had a, yeah, yeah oh, it absolutely is. But we had a great conversation about the, the four films in that set. And uh, that'll probably be out fairly soon. I guess Trevor's got the editing going right now. But uh, yeah, I, I've just been doing a lot of podcasting lately after taking some time off over the kind of post-holiday stretch there. I uh, got season four of my Criterion Reflections program going. Um, mm-hmm. Just released a less blank episode, a couple films of his, uh, Spend It All and A Well Spent Life. And I've got a Godzilla versus Gigan coming up next, <laughs> next week. So, quite a uh, combo. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes. quite a combo. And, and uh, now that Godzilla versus Kong is in theaters, yeah. or at least a new release, probably a lot of people watching it more streaming than in theaters. But. Uh, so I got a Godzilla franchise tie-in <laughs> coming up on my program. So, uh, and then I'm doing this one here. So yeah, it's it's yeah. really fun to kind of get the batteries recharged uh, and uh, just talk to people and and hear what they have to say and and share my own thoughts. So, thanks for inviting me on. Always a pleasure talking to you. And um, and what's funny is actually both of those items you talked about. Well, two of the, of, the, of a few <laughs> um, are a good transition. Um, Speaking of in the can, uh, you, your Godzilla, um, we recorded a kaiju episode. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, mm-hmm. About mm-hmm. the uh, all, all of the different franchises, uh, and that's um, we recorded about a month ago. But because you know we obviously want to get to more timely items, uh, you know Godzilla is going to be there. That'll probably come out after this episode. That'll probably be mm. Criterion now one twenty two, um, and then on, on the other. Uh, 
thing that you mentioned that uh, is a good transition, actually, is Noel Coward, David Lean. Uh, yeah, huge talent, both of them. Um, and, I, and that set is really good at bringing out, um, you know, Coward's uh, impact and contributions. Uh, one of those I haven't seen. <laughs> it's uh, mm-hmm. In Which We Serve, I believe, it's the first one. And I don't know why. I think, I just, yeah, I just didn't get, get to it for some whatever reason. Um, but I have a new project, David, that I wanted to... Uh, float by you. We'll get to the announcements here in a second, mm-hmm. but I, I just I, I think you you will appreciate this. So, do you log your your films? Do you have spreadsheets or the, the, what you own? Well, I have a spreadsheet that has all of my Criterion titles and associated Criterion's Laserdisc. I don't own all the Laserdiscs. I do own all the Criterion DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, but that's pretty much what I use for like setting up my chronological timeline and just tracking like I've, I've also put links to all the different you know podcasts or reviews i've written mm-hmm. so it's kind of like my reference sheet for all the stuff that i've covered over the years but i don't have a good app for tracking what i physically own so i'm all ears tell me more okay well uh, i i think it's important uh, for us collectors and in fact there was a, a thread in one of the criterion groups i i m- might have been now i'm not I'm not positive but there was a thread about which which is the best to catalog, and um, and there were I think there were a couple comments saying, well, why would why do you care? You know, what what's this obsession? How how far t- can you go? And um, uh, and shout out to John Lominger who texted me the Aaron Rodgers thing uh, with the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the the guy the contestant who was a winner and cl- has six hundred DVDs. So um, I I told John. Uh, we need to get that guy in the podcast. <laughs> uh, so what, yeah. what I've used is Blu-ray.com. And uh, so this new project was prompted because Blu-ray.com went down for a couple days. And, um, you know, it's it's been around a while. Uh, but, you know, who knows what will happen. It's not a large company. And, uh, yeah, just you want to be safe. So so I, I've been logging all my discs there and I, I they have everything from all over the world so it's it's good when I import something that I, I can log it there and, and maybe later track its worth uh, you know for, really for insurance purposes uh, although that that's like the the so <laughs> responsible reason to do it the real reason is because I am <laughs> obsessed and a, a bit of a dork and I just enjoy um, having a list of my collection and it also helps me not buy the same thing twice. Um, I've, I've stopped myself on a couple occasions, but when it went down today, I was worried. I was like, okay, well I might need a, a, a backup plan. And, uh, you have, yeah, you have a letterbox account. I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one thing letterbox started doing is it allows you to tag films as owned. Um, and, put them in lists. So that way, if, say, for example, you uh, are looking at completing the sight and sound list and you want to see how many of the discs are in your home (laughs) that you um, are, um, that you can watch, you you could just filter it by stuff I own, which is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, What you have to do is you have to create your own list and put the tag owned. I, I put own and owned just in case. And um, and then log the add every film every movie you have to that list. Hmm. It's a lot of work. <laughs> um, and I'll share. And so, go ahead. It's, and so it'll it'll just show that you own a copy of that film. So what if you own like yes. a digital copy, or if you have it on DVD and Blu-ray, or if it's part of a box set as well as a standalone? There's no you don't really distinguish that. It's just what I actually exactly. own. It's, it's okay. Mo- I got so it. that's the difference. So Blu-ray.com is actual Blu-rays. 
This is movies. So yeah, I don't I don't categorize the the digital ones because okay. frankly, I I, <laughs> I don't I don't need to. I, there's there's a lot of those, and I'm not as proud of the digital ones. Uh, sometimes right. they're blind buys. Um, but the one thing that so uh, you know you, you do box sets, uh, so one day mm-hmm. you might have you might be faced with that uh, brackage episode. That'll that'll be an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. For tough, sure. Tough to binge watch that guy. Um, but the thing there's there's I don't know how many eighty a hundred shorts in there, maybe maybe a few or yeah, if you get all all the volumes together, yeah, there's quite a few, yeah, dozens yeah. at least. Yeah. And there's others. There's short collections. Now we have these big box sets, uh, Fellini, yeah, Jean Panlevé, yes, all that stuff. yes, yeah. all those. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, so it, it's but it, I'm finding it really really valuable. Now I've only gone through one room of, of discs, which is um, <laughs> basically all yeah. the stuff I buy that I bring to my little man cave that I want to watch some, sometime. And um, and it took me an hour, to, and I got through like two sixty. So by the mm. time this episode comes out, I'll, it's private now, but I'll make it public, and it won't be finished. But you all can see, um, you know, this in progress. I even put um, notes on what kind of edition. So like, if it's, I even write the box set out. So it's it's a, mm. a lot of work. But okay. the thing is, so I saw, I, I found that of the, the movies that are in my queue to watch, I've seen forty three percent of them, which is interesting because. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch some things. Yeah, it's also scary because uh, you know I I know I have a, a lot of discs uh, and I'm gonna go into my all my shelves and I I'm kind of I'm wondering if I want to know how many <laughs> <laughs> are unwatched. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. You know I've been active on the TikTok app. I've over seen that, the past yeah. few months and it's really a lot of fun and I it's like a whole new sort of world if you will of of people to engage with and i think that's what's kind of drawn me too it's just like i'm and as you might not be surprised to hear it's a lot of younger people, like people <laughs> you their teenagers in their 20s but it's really fun i'm kind of like the cool old criterion granddad or something like that you know <laughs> because i i you know i i've had a couple clips where i show my whole collection and it's all you know this big wall that i have downstairs and uh you know, you know the, the the folks are kind of impressed by all of that but i get a lot of questions like have you watched all of them it's like <laughs> no I, and i'm okay well, with that you've i watched mean, a lot of them though i've watched the majority of them and even mm-hmm. if i haven't watched the full film i've usually watched at yeah. least a few trailers or supplements I, I like to sample all the discs at least just to get a sense of What's it about? What's it like? What's the menu look like? All that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's it's a reference library. I mean, there's films I've watched, you know, seven or eight times since I've owned it. And there's films that I've had for years that I've never gotten around to watching yet. And it's cool. No problem. You know, yeah. no need to apologize uh, because it'll be there when you're ready for it. And uh, it's just part of the, uh, you know, the, the, the well-organized, uh, uh, you know, kind of reference files that you can go to and compare things and watch particular scenes over again and i i as i'm sure you do too there's just a satisfaction of having like the whole set or you know all the major films by a particular director whatever the case may be but the idea that we we both have a lot of stuff that's been carted away and in a box somewhere and and you know you run out of shelf space so you sort of tuck <laughs> some things away well then you you, you know a couple of years go by you forget what's in that bin and you open it, it's like whoa i didn't realize i had that or mm-hmm. um or even if you sort of knew it it's just good to hold it and see it again and say yeah maybe i do need to pop this in and give it a look so 
uh, I, yeah, I'm definitely interested in a project like that, and I'll probably do my own version of it uh, fairly soon. Thanks yeah. for the tip. You had, you, I, of course, uh, asked if you have Letterbox. You had the, the Criterion oh, yeah. chronology. Yeah, you're, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, this might actually uh, rival that. <laughs> um, well, it's going to be a long. It's going to be a long list, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And you, you know what? I think this is for both of us. Your, your TikTok uh, <laughs> yeah. questions and my uh, this pr- project. This is retirement planning. So I'm basically yeah. Uh, because I, I, there's no way I'm going to watch this before retirement. So uh, I do want to get to the releases. I just want to get to one thing. I want to give a shout-out to Eric Skillman. Uh, yeah. I don't know if everybody knows Eric Skillman, but he is basically the art uh, art manager, uh, art director, I guess, is probably his title, at uh, Criterion. And uh, he came down with COVID. And he, um, you know, it happens. It's everywhere. And he didn't do so well. So he, um, but he posted, he tweeted. He said he's uh, not on tw- Twitter anymore, but he's stuck in the hospital with COVID and could use some pick me up vibes in case anybody has them. And uh, there was a lot of great, great kind comments. I, I left one, uh, you know, I saw some other friends of the show left uh, kind comments. Uh, that was on April 3rd. So that's uh, been now, uh, we're recording on the 17th. So it's been a couple weeks. And he was very appreciative of all the, the kindness. And then, on the 13th, he tweeted that he's officially home and on the mend, you know, kind of easing back. So, um, and he said, I, I'm sure I owe all, you, you all emails. And uh, Eric, you don't have to email me. I don't think we've emailed <laughs> before, but yeah. I, I think he knows the show. So um, anyway, Eric, glad you're healthy. I know it's scary. Um, still get vaccinated <laughs> is what I'll, oh, I'll yeah, tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's, so. he's past the more critical stages and definitely in recovery now, right? Yeah, he's on the mend yeah. out of the hospital, so he'll he'll Excellent. be he'll be fine. Um, now that actually could in, you know inform some of this discussion about because I'm sure we're going to get into cover art, uh, knowing that yeah. at least for the this release preparation he probably was not in the office, so somebody was probably doing a little double duty to cover for Eric. Um, so. And we have some covers to talk about. And oh, yeah. Oh, pe- yeah. People are going to take shots. So um, should we get into it? July? Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's roll. All right. July always a, seems like a big month because of the Barnes & Noble sale. Uh, I assume yeah. one will happen. I, what do you think? Uh, I think so. I, I mean, you know, there's been, you know, obviously the sharks have been you know, circling around for a while. But I, yeah. I think Barnes & Noble, you know, has its niche and... Um, I, I certainly want to see them prosper and, and hang in there. And I think they recognize that the Criterion sale is, I mean, you know, people mark their calendars and, and plan on it. So barring some kind of real critical disaster, I think they'll they'll be around at least for a few more months. But I, I, I think, I, I expect that they're going to be there for the, the longer haul. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think they'll make it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. things are getting a little better with the people getting vaccinated. I, I think... People will venture to, to stores again, um, so I, I I can pretty much predict right now when it's going to be, and it's going to be July sixth because mm-hmm. of bringing up Baby and Mirror, which are the first two that we're going to talk about. Yes. Definitely the, the tentpole releases of this yeah. uh, this slate. Um, I kind of wonder what's going to be the first release in August because uh, usually they they do creep into August, and so I I'm just thinking maybe a box set at the beginning of August would be a good idea. Criterion. Uh, if you have one in 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 the queue, yeah. But but yeah. So bringing up baby Howard Hawks, uh, I do you know about the inside joke in the Criterion Now Facebook group regarding this uh, this title? Uh, maybe I've seen it, but it's not registering. So go ahead and fill me in. Yeah. 
So you know we do those polls, the prediction oh, polls. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe it was Tim Lego. I, if I if I got that wrong, uh, correct me. But I believe it was Tim Lego that just said that hey, I'm gonna uh, a couple years ago. I'm just gonna keep putting bringing up baby in the poll until it happens. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I know that Tim's been kind of banging that drum for a while. So for sure, yeah. Uh, he, he what stop. a relief it is. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he can stop banging the drum. Um, uh, it's it's out. Um, so so yeah, it's become a joke. It's become yeah. an inside joke. Uh, and if there was uh, logic behind its inclusion, I think there was a rumor five years ago or something. I forget what it was, but you know, it it's taken a while. Um, but anyway, Tim and everybody else got to find something else for the poll. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, once they released, uh, you know, his, his girl Friday, I think it happened one night. Was kind of the yeah. even further back. Obviously, you've had like you know the Lady Eve and and things like that for a while, but uh, bringing up Baby's been kind of the glaring missing piece mm-hmm. of classic screwball comedies. I actually happened to watch it just a few weeks ago because uh, we did a, a episode on What's Up Doc, uh, Peter Bogdanovich's right. you know kind of throwback comedy, really pretty much straight up homage to Bringing Up Baby. Although there's other elements that he kind of you know tipped his hat to and and what's up doc uh so i watched that just kind of get ready for that episode and so it's pretty fresh in my memory and what a what a delightfully (laughs) hilarious film it is and and what great timing that uh, you know criterion's going to serve it up to us uh in in the early july i haven't seen it for um at least a couple years but this is one i've seen i it's it's such such a pleasure It, it is just true entertainment you know art as well you know there's a there's art and, and humor, and and my really with you know, as as you were talking about the other screwball comedies in the collection, I really think in the last five years, I think Criterion almost has like a you know a, basically the canon of the best of the screwball comedies. Um, yeah, sure, yeah, sure Philadelphia Story, and, yeah, uh, Palm um, Beach Story, you know. So Godfrey, yeah, my yep. God, yeah. There's there's a whole slew of them. So um, good on them. Uh, I'm sure there's more out there, so hopefully this will not be the end. But yeah, I'd say this is arguably the most popular, uh, or at least among the most popular screwball comedies. I think it'll sell like uh, like hotcakes. Oh, it, it's going to absolutely move. You know, again, people who are not even you know Criterion collectors, but just have a a fondness for this particular film or for these types of films, uh, they'll be all over it. I'm sure. And what a nice package! I mean, the the supplements are just really mm-hmm. rich. They've they've kind of created a lot of new stuff. Uh, this Hawks documentary from '77 looks like a real treat, and I think that's that's the other thing too that they're they're really building up a pretty impressive lineup of of some of Howard Hawks's best mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And this this is definitely one that belongs in that upper tier so uh but they've got a nice supplemental documentary kind of i guess it's his last interview so they're they're going to be really rounding it out this is this is nice yeah and a a new video essay on on cary grant so that's uh that it looks like they did put a lot into it and of course the transfer is 4k it's going to look amazing i'm I'm sure there won't be any teal i can guarantee that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah yeah. i I do wonder you know if that's been part of the delay is you know a lot of these films for as popular as they are and, and as you know bona fide classics um, it, it's, it's a piece of work, you know, getting, mm-hmm. getting them to look the way they're supposed to, because, uh, the, the elements just were not always taken care of the best and, uh, they will, they will scour the vaults until they find that perfect, you know, close to pristine, 
original negative if whatever they can get and uh, i imagine that this has been on their wish list for a long time and here it is finally coming it's probably yeah probably been in the works for a long time and we'll never know why it took took a while but um also want to shout out that there's a interview with uh, craig Barron and uh, also special effects uh, pioneer linwood dunn i believe they've done done I believe they've they've had a supplement together before I could be mistaken but Craig Barron uh, has he's in the Criterion Now group and has chimed in occasionally can't recall if, if I've seen him around lately maybe he's been busy I hope hopefully uh, but um, but Craig's a good guy and I always enjoy I th- think he had a couple of supplements on Chaplin films uh, so mm-hmm. yeah good stuff mm-hmm. and a selected scene commentary uh, you know not a, there is a, a full commentary with Bogd- mm-hmm. Bogdanovich speaking of uh, he, he did what's up, Doc, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And, and yeah, and, and if I can just talk about that episode for a little bit, speaking of people who are on Criterion Supplements, one of our guests was Rodney Hill. He's a film professor at Hofstra University. He, he's actually been on a couple of Criterion Supplements. He did oh, cool. a special bonus for uh, Dr. Strangelove and uh, Rumblefish and the Umbrellas of Schurberg. So that's a pretty nice little uh, items for your resume. So Rodney's a good guy. I'm sure he's gonna. We're gonna look to get him back on my show again. But yeah, he's got some insider knowledge, and uh, you know, you can actually see him on Criterion uh, special releases. So I felt very honored to have him on uh, that much closer to the inner circle there. You know. And that was the uh, the what's up doc. The uh, what's up doc. Yeah, which which people say, well, how how is what's up doc a Criterion film? It was on the Criterion <laughs> Channel, right, both right. in its film struck version as part of a Bogdanovich uh, bundle, and then they had it, um, I think, last year as part of a Barbara Streisand bundle. So that's why we hmm. covered it on my podcast. I have not seen it, so I will remedy that, and I'll, I'll yeah. give that a listen. So uh, yeah. thanks thanks for uh, pointing that out. Yeah, to, maybe I, Rodney would be a good guest on this show sometime. I'd be happy to make the introductions. So. Why, thank you. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll have your people call my people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gonna have to ask. Uh, th- th- this cover has been a little controversial. Uh, I've seen some who love it, some who hate it, and it's. I haven't seen much middle ground. Uh, you know, it's. There's a lot of Cary Grant on it. Um. Uh, the. You know, the font is weird. There's a dog bone. Um. Actually, that wouldn't be a dog. <laughs> the dinosaur bone, as apparently. You know, you, yeah. You think so, yeah. Uh, and of course, there's the tiger striped font for the baby. Uh, which makes perfect sense. And the tail is the eye and bringing up. Yeah, yeah. you, you can look at it. But um, I think it's charming. I, w- I would not expect this film to have, you know, a really sophisticated illustration. Uh, I think a fun, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's clever. cartoonish, you know, Cartoon-y, which is yeah. very much in keeping with some of these other screwball comedies that we've been talking about. If you look at the covers, they're all kind of whimsical and sketchy and i mean you know like it happened one night um Mm -hmm. i think is more of a fine illustration but you know i don't have problems with it i might be the middle ground you know it's not like blow (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't blow me away but it's it's clever and i think pretty suitable uh i'll be interested i it probably will be in the regular plastic case i'm not expecting a slip case type of situation here Hmm. um but i'm not sure We'll, we'll have to wait and see yeah i don't know it's a it's a Pretty well, special discs. So sometimes they they give special packaging for uh, these these big releases. So we'll, well, we'll and it does say for the Blu-ray, there's going to be a short story, but it's not going to be for the DVD. So it could be that mm. the Blu-ray gets it's a special slipcase or or some other kind of because they're going to have some kind of printed supplement in the Blu-ray that uh, apparently won't be included in the 
the double disc DVD set. Yeah, maybe a a, a booklet uh, mm-hmm. to go with it. So that was Efron Miller. He's done a lot of good work uh, on the on the Criterion cl- uh, collection before. So great <laughs> artist. Um, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> speaking of covers. Let's go to let's go to mirror. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, did you get a chance to watch that Reddit link? I sent oh, you? absolutely. It's hilarious. It's uh, hilarious. And, and it feels like boy, this really could be insider <laughs> knowledge here. <laughs> I, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Uh, I would actually encourage you if you want to make fun of the mirror uh, cover to uh, go watch that. It was actually from uh, a couple months ago, and it was a reaction to the Janus Films uh, cover. Because so, he used the Janus Films yeah, the, the uh, poster, right, for the yeah, theatrical the tour. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the joke is, you know, if, if you don't have time to watch it right now, the joke is that this guy uh, has five minutes remaining to turn in his Tarkovsky um, uh, <laughs> uh, cover, and he um, does it in five minutes. Actually, yeah, he's completely like spaced, forgot his deadline, so he's got seconds, to whip something yeah. together. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very funny. I, I, Reddit Criterion is not my favorite <laughs> in social media. But um, that was that was certainly a highlight. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with that guy. I, I like, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, of course, it's mirror. You know, how, how can you got to have some sort of mirror image? Uh, I, I think actually some sort of still from the um, the film that reflects that, not like this, but um, might, might yeah. work better. Yeah, um, I mean, still. I just I just watched it last night actually, um, and. Yeah, it's an iconic scene right from the beginning of the film. So you definitely, if you've seen it, and and there's a lot of shots of the back of people's heads in this movie, just right, to let right, you right. know. And so it definitely stirs up the the reminiscence, the essence of the film. It's just you know, it's just so you know, cut and paste. You know, flip it, and and then mm-hmm. a very undistinguished font, um, and just just so plain, which. I suppose, but you know that is the, the film itself is such a beautiful, ethereal, visually rich work, and again, there's nothing wrong with this image. It just feels kind of facile and and kind of tossed off, you know. <laughs> and uh, maybe it'll come in a nice slipcase. Maybe it'll have nice kind of paper or or uh, you know cardstock that will kind of give it that kind of impressive, classy look because. This is this is another really important film. I mean, this is depending on which poll you go to, you know, top ten, top twenty of all time, you know, sight and sound type of thing. So this this should really be a deluxe release that gets all the trimmings, and maybe it'll maybe it'll feel that way once it's in the hand. But right now, it just feels <laughs> kind of makeshift, you know. Yeah, and that's that's fair. I actually was I was looking at the artist's other work, and he is a talented artist. Uh, the, this is, uh, yeah. So I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be negative towards his work, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Beautiful film. Uh, this is probably the last Andre Tarkovsky film we're gonna get. I don't think there's, uh, unless we get nostalgia, uh, but I don't believe Criterion. And sacrifice has, is that Kino? Oh, sacrifice. Or? Yeah, those two yeah. are both Kino. Okay. Yeah, I'm, you never know. I wouldn't. They might get the rights back, but uh, but yeah, those are fine additions. Uh, the one thing about this film I've seen, and I think this is the case with a lot of Tarkovsky, people use the B word, uh, boring. Oh, uh, and I, I think I've seen that more with this film. Uh, and it is it is slower paced, uh, I think even compared to uh, his other work. Um, but 
I think it's yeah, I think it's breathtaking. I think the imagery is just stunning, and um, and I re- I remember being a little impatient at times during yeah. the film, but by the end, I was just felt like I had been um, transported to some some you know really his uh, his because uh, it's I think it's a little introspective and about, about him. It's very personal. I mean, his father is reading poetry. It's you know his mm-hmm. his mother, one of the uh, actors. I mean, it, it it's very much this is inside the soul of Tarkovsky, and so it's a film that you really need to settle into. You know, put your phone down and and right, right. just kind of kind of plant yourself and and uh, you know this might even be more ideal like for solo watching rather than with even like your partner or a group of friends just because it is it's like this meditative experience and um you know i've i've not really you know blogged or or written much about it because i really still haven't had that full set down immersive experience but it'll get there this is the one that came out after solaris right I um, believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, so Solaris is actually coming up on my podcast later this year, so and that's not too Great. many episodes from now. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, absorbing that, getting into that film heavily, and I think Mirror kind of is asking for that same kind of commitment. And it, and it's not terribly long, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you no, definitely need to yeah. you you need to commit to it, and and uh, it's not gonna, uh, you know grab you by the collar with entertainment necessarily, but it's going to take you into a meditative space, and that's what he's exactly trying to do. Yep, it's not bringing up baby. <laughs> In fact, that might that'd be right. quite a double feature, and that double feature is going to happen with some people. Yeah. Um, I, I also want to call out that this has also been a fixture on the poll, and uh, there's oh. a person named Marsha Birch. I hope I got that right in the group who has always added it. So this is, it's, it's funny that these are the two constant uh, items in the poll, uh, the, the prediction poll, and, you know, it's prediction and a little bit of wish list uh, yeah. that keep on uh, coming up. So now, and they were top two, this this poll. So people finally got it right. <laughs> well, the uh, poll but, will never be the same. The you got to start from scratch. <laughs> we got to find something else. So, uh, yeah, what'll, what will it be? Um, and, and as a matter of fact, the last show uh, with Jill, we talked about... Um, we might not have gotten to it, but we were planning to talk about uh, the fact that they acquired Andrei Tarkovsky, a, cinematic, a cinema prayer, which is a documentary by his son. Um, and for, I, I saw that and I thought, well, it would fit well on a Tarkovsky disc. Or, you know, they could do like the David Lynch uh, put out a standalone documentary. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see it here. Uh, there, there are a lot. There's again stack package. There's um, a new documentary, "The Dream in the Mirror." I'm guessing that's about just about this. Do you know? Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. Just what I'm seeing on the page there. I don't really know much. Like even the the documentary by his son is that like a full length feature type of thing? As I understand it, just, it yes. Yeah, because this is like a double Blu-ray edition. So that's that's yeah. another great deal. This is two full Blu-rays. Uh, at a regular price, they're not stacking it up to the fifty dollar price point there, which is nice. Thanks, Criterion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we appreciate that. Uh, interview with the composer. So uh, another documentary about the cinematography, which I, as, as you've seen, it's striking. Um, some archival interviews, uh, and then uh, an essay by critic Carmen Gray uh, for the Blu-ray. That, as you noted, oh no, I'm sorry, you noted that for bringing up Baby. Yeah. Um, so the Blu-ray has some extra material as well. So. Yeah, so um, probably a you know a, a bigger package, uh, and cover yeah. was Nessim Hig- Higson. So he, yeah, go look him up. He does some good work. Uh, yeah. 
that's all yeah. I'll say. That's pretty exciting, definitely. Uh, that that's it, that's one of the, probably one of the big you know big releases of the year as far as single film uh, editions is concerned. Yeah, it's been uh, this has been in the rumor mill for a while, and I think uh, a lot of people have been anticipating it. So a lot of people pleased with that. The next three films I would say are were a little are a little off the beaten path, a uh, little more obscure. I haven't seen any of them, so I don't know if you have. I've not seen well, like I I, I have La Piscine, and we'll, I'll save my comments when okay. we get to that. But uh, and I've only watched a portion of it, so I haven't watched the full thing. But it, it's cool. It definitely feels purple noonish. But I'll I'll you know hold off okay. on that. Let's go in order That's, here. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, well, the next one is Deep Cover, and this is directed by Bill Duke, uh, who I believe is a is a a black filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Not positive, and he is. Yeah, I saw an interview with him on YouTube last night, just uh, doing okay. a little bit of research on this. Mm-hmm. Look at you prepping for the show, David. Well, Blessing. I take my <laughs> duties seriously there, right? <laughs> More than I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and and I'll, I'll just go out. I'll say this is the cover of the month. Uh, I love this cover. It is by. Ngabo El Cesart Desire or I don't know Desiree who Desiree knows? Yeah, yeah, probably right. did not get that right. Um, I I know of this movie. Uh, I think this is more. Uh, I, I it felt like less of an art film, more of a uh, like a um, I guess action film is my, what my impression of it was. Uh, so I, I yeah, don't they know. kind of call it an urban noir, you know, kind of a okay. you know, neo noir type of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. That's, and I've, I've seen the trailer and just kind of done a little bit of reading up on it. But yeah, it, it, it seems like uh, they're continuing their, their diversification of, of getting yeah. new voices and, and uh, you know, contemporary topics uh, of interest and, and a story that I think definitely has some resonance, uh, you know, uh, undercover cops into the drug trade and uh, just some of the dirty business and hypocrisy and corruption that's going on at uh, levels where you'd think, well, this should be. Mm-hmm. upholding the law not uh, not corrupting it but uh yeah it sounds pretty dynamic i'm i'm very intrigued to check it out yeah i wonder if that uh you know the, the kind of modern police dynamic will come up in some of the um the uh supplements so uh yeah i, I, I can't wait and I, I again we've talked about it before but uh yeah i i like that they are that they did you know do some self searching uh, some soul searching uh regarding mm-hmm. the new york times uh, article last year and it seems like they're, you know, I don't think they're just trying to, you know, check boxes. It seems like they recognize that they, that was a blind spot. And they're making mm-hmm. some creative uh, choices with uh, additions to the collection. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see this one. Um, yeah. And then you got, you know, an early important performance from uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. And then Jeff yeah. Goldblum is the villain, which is kind of hmm. a nice twist on what we typically see from him. You know, the smart aleck, you know, <laughs> wise guy scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And then the, the, the soundtrack, uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, which is yeah. at a pretty important point in both of their careers and in the evolution of hip hop music. So there's a lot of interesting angles here, which probably at the time just felt like, well, you know, I mean, this film did not make an impression on me in the early nineties when it came out, 92, I guess. Yeah. I was maybe just in a different space, different priorities or whatever, but I'm very interested to kind of revisit that era and, and see uh, what's going on in cinema at this time. Likewise, I can't wait. Uh, this is going to, as they say, go right in the player. So tell me about the cover. I mean, it's definitely got this very dramatic 
you know, color scheme, this kind yeah, of, I, I saw somebody, <laughs> well, yeah, the money, um, the, there's a hundred dollar bill in the lower right corner where it looks like the 100 is upside down and it's a oh, little, I, I, I didn't <laughs> catch that. Yeah. Somebody noticed it and it's like, yeah, man, now I, now I can't unsee it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it looks like zero, zero one. If, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there was another comment I saw on one of the Facebook groups talk about bisexual lighting. Have you ever heard that term before? Have not no, and I okay, I, I don't know if there's any of that in this film. It, but, there's uh, there's a link. I think it's maybe even like a Wikipedia article that talks about this purple, blue, and pink kind of neon lighting as kind of a a code for for bisexuality in, in a character. Yeah. yeah. So, and some somebody made that comment, and somebody else is like, "What are you talking about? This is crazy." And it's like, <laughs> "No, no, this is an actual thing." So. Huh. Well, I, I'm going to Google that after the show. Yeah. Uh, I'm, maybe some so. listeners are Googling it right now. But um, Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just think aesthetically it's uh, it's very nice. And yeah, I'm, I'm not an artist, so I, I don't know what goes into this sort of illustration. But, and, you know, I know Lawrence Fishburne's face, and uh, this seems oh, to capture it pretty well. Fishburne uh, has a great stare. And, he does. you know, of course, we know him as Morpheus from The Matrix and many, yeah. many other iconic roles. But this is really him kind of getting getting launched i think he had been in boys in the hood before that mm-hmm. but uh, he's really coming into his own there and that's that's cool yeah and, and some really interesting supplements here too again again that's part of i think the story behind the the film that uh, criterion is really doing well uh and i'm there's an interview with the director so i'm encouraged to see, or interested in seeing that um, then there's a new conversation between uh, scholars Rachel Gates and Michael Gillespie about its place within the black film boom of the early 90s and the noir genre. So the um, the black boom, I think, you know, some of those, are, you know, I guess, um, what was the film you just mentioned? Oh, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, yeah. Uh, yeah. And there, there are a few from, from the early 90s. I do remember, I, I want to say... Um, there's Menace to Society. Right. There's a John Singleton film. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the the title off the top of my head, but um, but yeah, those some strong movies. I mean, in fact, mm-hmm. Dead Presidents, I think was. Yeah, Dead Presidents. That was a laser disc back in back mm-hmm. in the era, and it's one that I think a lot of people uh, who know about that film have been kind of hoping Criterion will get the rights back because I'm not even sure there's a good version of it out there that's you know widely available. Maybe an old DVD or something like that. But yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to lot to be discovered in that little corner of uh, American cinema from that time. Yeah, and there's also a conversation about uh, the title, the title track, and our, I, I guess the, <laughs> the the music behind the um, mm-hmm. the film and and how it impacted hip hop. And then there's a discussion with um, Duke Fishburne and Elvis Mitchell. One thing I like that they pointed out is it's from 2018, which means it is not going to be a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I am not. We've had our fill of those. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Now, I, I'll save those for a few years down the road when <laughs> Zoom is a novelty, hopefully. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't wait. That's that's my, my take. You? Yeah, no, I, I, this is definitely one to look forward to. And this as well. The next one is Lizzie Borden, uh, who that's her, her actual, uh, the name she chose. I think... Initially, I heard I saw somewhere somebody mentioned that her birth name was Elizabeth Borden, and she deliberately changed it to Lizzie uh, to uh, resemble the uh, the serial killer. So yeah, probably, what were her parents thinking? <laughs> but it worked out, I guess. You know, maybe maybe knows? there was an intention behind that. I don't know. Maybe I will learn about that in the supplement because <laughs> sure, uh, sure, uh, she's yeah. going to be uh, she's going to be discussing this film. I'm actually really looking forward to this one. Um, hmm. 
there's there's something called you know like kink shaming um, and uh, and and sex work, and I, I think there are some some movements to you know maybe legitimize or uh, just sex work. So and I I don't know if I have an opinion on it. I just think it's an interesting topic. It's an inter- interesting demographic. De- demographic, and it sounds like she. It sounds like this is almost like she, a Paris is burning, but narrative and obviously different groups. But uh, you know, uh, unique. Yeah, yeah. Unique bringing groups. some of these kind of marginalized uh, slash scandalized groups into mm-hmm. sort of consideration for the mainstream and and i I will just say i'll put my cards on the table you know i this is this is um a not a stumbling block but it's definitely something i'm going to have to enter into as as the as the text notes say in the criterion page non-judgmentally watch this i you know i've i've been in social work for a long time and i've worked with people young women as well as boys who've been sexually exploited of uh, resistance or a concern about Mm. people who get roped into that life into that you know career occupation whatever you want to call it at an age where they're really not old enough to know better but they might think they do or they think that they 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 want to run their life and so i want to be i do want to definitely give this film a, a chance to deliver its message in a way that's not gonna mm-hmm. Uh, come in I'm not going to come into it prejudging or or you know triggered to condemn uh, but I but I, that sure. is part of my lived experience is, is with people who've been exploited and and uh, I, I do have concerns about that mm-hmm. I understand that not everybody who's you know would, would say I'm a sex worker has had that experience but I know that some have and so uh, it's a complicated issue for to say the least you know uh, but I I, I will trust as i always do i'll mm-hmm. trust criterion's judgment to say that they're going to give me something worth thinking about and engaging with i may not draw all the same conclusions that the the filmmakers do but i'll definitely open-mindedly listen and learn and and engage with it when it uh, comes out i'm I'm probably closer to you on 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 that uh, perspective and it's tough because you know i i think that Probably most sex workers are troubled people. Uh, you yeah. Maybe have, or it might be cause and effect. You know, maybe they, it's desperation. They need money, and then and this is actually the catalyst for them being um, fractured yeah. emotionally and maybe physically as well. So, um, yeah, in the description, they say that uh, Borden quote bold, boldly desensationalizes the subject. That's a tough word to say offering an empathetic, humanizing, often hu- humorous depiction of women for whom this work is just another day at the office. Um, and she, she, her angle sounds like, or from the description, sounds like the labor of, you know, the, so I, I, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious to see it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to condone um, sex work uh, after this, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's uh, like you, I'll go in with an open mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be empathetic to the people who that is their life. And I definitely want to learn from that and uh, and understand, you know, what that experience is. I mean, I've never mm-hmm. participated in prostitution in any way. It's just mm-hmm. not part of my life uh, experience vocabulary <laughs> i honestly would not even know where to go <laughs> to, 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 to to engage in in, uh, in that type of a, an activity to say you know, put it as neutrally as i can but 
um, I'm open to learn. And, and certainly there's many, <laughs> there's many films that Criterion has produced where it's like, yeah, what I see on screen is not exactly the way I want to live. So, um, sure. but, but, but I can, I can still learn from it. And that's what I'm here for. I never thought I'd say this, but I also have not, <laughs> have not, uh, uh, entered into this, uh, this sort of, uh, experience. I do, I did go to Amsterdam once and, uh, took a wrong turn. And, um, so I, I, I could tell you where to find it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, you know, and I, I, I mean, I've certainly encountered. Oh know, yeah, yeah. Those situations. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> certainly have. Um, I'm, yeah, but I'm, I'm curious. I don't know that they're going to, and part, I, I'm, this is a question I don't know that I have the answer, but I wonder if maybe if they're, if they open up sex work and legitimize it, maybe uh, maybe that'll help it. I don't I don't know. Um, so I'm I'm willing to explore that with this film. Uh, so yeah, it has audio commentary, and I, I think I very much would want to hear that, regardless of how I um uh, how I my impressions on on the film. I want to hear from from Borden, and there's also the the uh, DOP and uh, an a- actor Amanda Goodwin. I like that they list her, her as a, I'm guessing her as an actor. Um, new conversation with uh, Borden and filmmaker Betty Gordon. I don't know Gordon. I think she had a bundle on the Criterion Channel. Maybe it was last year. I think a bunch okay. of short films. So uh, I didn't. I'm not sure. I might have taken in one or two of them, but I don't have an immediate recollection of of her work. But I think I recognize the name at least. So there there may be some some Betty Gordon stuff that's still on the channel. I won't take okay. the time to look right now, but yeah. I'll look for that. And there are some conversations. I'm actually looking for There's one with people mm-hmm. that worked on the film. And there's another one. This one really, uh, a new conversation with sex workers. And they, they list them. One is named Selena the Stripper. <laughs> Never thought I'd see a supplement with Selena the Put it the on stripper. a business card, I guess, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I think that's an, uh, that perspective is something I'll, I'll – I think part of going in with an open mind is hearing um, you know, their experiences and, um, and their impressions of the film. So – yeah, looking forward to it. I, it's this is a, a complicated one though. Curious what other yeah. people, if if you've seen it, uh, and and kind of went in with that same perspective, please let us know uh, if it changed your mind without spoiling it. I saw that Josh Brunsting, our colleague here on Criterion Cast, said this is the best cover that Criterion ever put out. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that's just Josh's uh, hyperbole coming through there. I'd like to hear more about his thoughts on that. Best it's uh yeah cover it's, cover. It's, the the cover yeah okay um, yeah it looks like a still from the the film but I don't right. know um, there's a little exchange going on there a scantily clad woman and uh, yeah it, it I mean it it seems like a pretty basic cover as far as mm-hmm. the design is concerned but uh, apparently Josh was quite uh, taken by the imagery itself <laughs> Josh and I, I got to disagree it's mirror mirror is the best <laughs> cover of all time. <laughs> Let the debate begin. <laughs> so the last title, um, and I'm glad yeah. we d- dug into these some, uh, comes out July 20th, the same as uh, as the Lizzie Borden film. This is La Piscine. Uh, so that means the fish, I believe, right? I think, or it's the pool, actually. Oh, the it's pool, okay. The oh, swimming right. pool, yeah. Uh, you're right. I, I think of Life I mean, of Pi. Uh, yeah, Piscine yeah, Pis- and Pisces Pis- and all of that. Yeah, yes. Uh, sounds like fish, but... Uh... Uh, and the um, the cover of this one, uh, maybe a transition from talking about sex. Yeah, they're, they're not just talking about it there. No, <laughs> it's pretty spicy there. Definitely, yeah, they're gonna have to start shipping them uh, plain brown wrappers or something. Like that. <laughs> and but, yeah, 
Jacques de Ray, I don't believe I've seen anything from him uh, other than this. I could be wrong. I didn't uh, check out his filmography. Uh, but then there's uh, Jean-Claude Carrière, uh, who he re- this is he recently passed, Dream right? Writer. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A legend. Great collaborator with Louis Benoel and, and others, yeah. And as you mentioned, Elaine Delon, Delon uh, and Romy Schneider. And, so, and Jane Birkin. Uh, she oh, Jane was Birkin, yeah. pretty famous from uh, Blow Up and, and kind of went on from there to do a lot of other uh, sexy stuff in the late 60s, early 70s there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so for- this is 1969. So, yeah, right after, or not too long after Blow Up. Um, yeah. Jane, Jane Birkin also was a, a fixture on the Varda set. So uh, mm-hmm. was very, very interesting person. Uh, yeah, I don't know much about this films, but you've you've seen it, so uh, well, let's, let's I've, hear I've it. seen portions of. It. I have this um, five film set from Studio Canal. It's five DVDs, and it's a, it's just an Alain Delon. I think it's been out of print for a long time. I think I just picked it up at a discount at Barnes and Noble. So it's just five films from Alain Delon. It's got I think maybe the last film that Julian de Vivier ever made. It's got The Widow Kaderk, which was um, with Alain Delon and Simone Signoret, which was on the Criterion channel. We actually did a, a, a podcast about that in my um, one of my second seasons, I believe it is. Uh, so, yeah, so basically I, I was just sampling those films. And it it, it also feels like uh, Romer's La Collection News, kind of one of these languid summary type of sensual uh, things, you know, these kind of – somewhat mystery suspense thriller types of situations uh with a lot of beautiful people hanging out in their <laughs> skimpy swimsuits <laughs> so um yeah i would i would say the aesthetics are probably going to be a big selling point how the film oh, sure. uh, how the film holds up as a as a film on its own i'm not sure like i say i just kind of took a quick uh, drive through just sampled a few scenes and it's very you know it looks pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely intrigued. It's just, it's Alain Delon, kind of late sixties. This is kind of when he's in, uh, Le Cirque Rouge and, yeah. and, uh, um, big star. Yeah, exactly. And, and a little bit, little past his Le Samurai, but uh, not too much. He's still pretty virile, sexy and Romy Schneider. She's a, you know, a little babe. So yeah, I think it should be fun. Uh, pretty good steamy late summer release there. <laughs> Probably right before he made airport. Uh, I think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, they're certainly not trying to sell, uh, the character arc in, um, uh, in, right. in the cover yeah. there. Uh, and the cover's interesting. I, I don't know what they're doing with the font there. And maybe there's something in the film that, uh, that looks I think it's the ripply water or something like that. It's, maybe. It's the, the S, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, there, there's an English language version of the film called The Swimming Pool, First Love mm-hmm. Never Dies. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two, two different versions. I, I I'm guessing different cuts. But we'll see. And there was, I think, I'm not sure, but there's another film that came out in the early 2000s called Swimming Pool. Uh, oh, Francois yeah. Ozan. Uh, I, I, Ozan, I, yeah. Uh, yeah Rampling was, was in that. Rampling, right? Uh, and a great performance in that film. Do, right. You think that's connected? It seems like there may be some kind of connection there, just because the the themes seem pretty sim- similar. You know, mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. kind of a, a younger girl. Um, you know, very tempting, very desirable, and all the intrigues that and seductions that that erupt around that. So, uh, I, I don't know. I'll have to do a little bit more research to see if it's if if that swimming pool, the more recent one, was a direct remake or use a similar material or or what mm-hmm. the 
connections might be there. So yeah, some interesting connections. Yeah, to, yeah, to that, yeah that one was certainly steamy, um, and and maybe oh, yeah. maybe it was inspired by this. If if not, uh, you know, connected. And this is interesting. They have a, a 2019 documentary. I don't know if it's feature length or not. Called Fifty Years Later. That looks like it's about this film. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, this is for a film that I hadn't really thought much of uh, prior to the to. It's gotten some attention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. So it's yeah, it sounds not- notable. And there's a, a yeah a f- interview with the scholar about the the legacy, and then there's some archive archival footage with the. Uh, sort of the main players there. So, um, yeah, I'm digging it. Mm-hmm. Probably not. I, I think I'm probably looking forward to the other two that I haven't seen more than this one, but uh, maybe not right in player, but, um, yeah, interested, intrigued. So let's just kind of get through some of the Criterion news. Not as much lately. Uh, of course, we have the current release slate, uh, just getting uh, History's Made at Night, Defending Your Life and Secrets and Lies, strong films, and then... Coming soon, some of them probably will be out by the time the show airs, but Memories of Murder, big one. The Furies, Irma Vep, and uh, Masculine Feminine Upgrade. So just any any highlights there, David? Well, I'm kind of in a lull as far as I'm kind of waiting for another flash sale, so I'm going to be less than complete probably for <laughs> another <laughs> month or two. Um, but I may end up picking up um, Memories of Murder and Irma Vep pretty soon just because I'm pretty eager to to get a hold of those um definitely i it's very solid lineups mm-hmm. history of made at night is is wonderful um i'm i'm, I'm complete through um celine and julie and the one car y set and i don't think i have any of the other new releases since then but all really solid titles um but yeah i think memories of murder and irma Vep are probably the two that are the most uh immediately uh grabbable like that i would like to get those and watch them just to have them on my shelf and to, to take them in. Yeah, I'll advocate for defending your life and secrets and lies. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, different, mm-hmm. different, totally couldn't be too different. Defending your life is very light, uh, so, but it's a very yeah. good, uh, fun. And I've fun seen movie. it before, and it, it is Same. great. I, yeah. And I love Albert Brooks. So, uh, but I can probably live a little bit and wait for the you know half off sale to to kick in before yeah. I pick it up. Save some money. Yep. Uh, Memories of Murder is actually arriving Monday because I ordered it from Criterion, and cool. I'm excited for this because th- I think this is a film that I can watch with my wife, and <laughs> those, those are always um, <laughs> yep. uh, delightful. Yep. Uh, Sequence and Lies as well, but she's seen it, so I, I probably will be flying solo there. Um, not uh, uh, you had mentioned Tarkovsky uh, Mirror. Uh, you know, your wife <laughs> might might go for that. Mine certainly would not. Yeah, she, Julie like, likes the Russian films. That's so. great. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. has good taste. Um, <laughs> well, from our perspective, <laughs> so a, a couple of things, and the, the next one I, I was almost on the on the fence about whether to even mention it, but um, because it's so far fetched, but TCM is funding a hunt for the lost Ambersons. Uh, film you know the lost footage that uh the rumor or I, I think i don't think it was rumor i think it was fact that it was thrown into the sea um uh now the likely and it sounds like this might be uh, somebody called it a um like a an al capone's um <laughs> vault right kind of, uh, i mean it's, it's a slim hope but apparently there was some copies that made their way to brazil may have been sold to some private collectors I mean, I don't know. I don't know how um, how private collectors store their films or how they wouldn't know whether or not they have it 
after all these years, right. you know, I, I have this image of, you know, the, the Criterion squad hacking with machetes through the dense Amazonian jungle <laughs> you know, <laughs> to find some, some mysterious vault of, 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 of uh, you know, film tins that are, that have been stashed away, you know, scrape the cobwebs and the mold off and see what you've got inside. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's some leads, I don't know. Why do you have to wait till September? Just go down there and see what they got. <laughs> Maybe the weather. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Maybe yeah. COVID. COVID's not, uh, not going so well in Brazil right true. now. That's true. Yeah. It's, a, it's dangerous down there for sure. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if they'll find it. Uh, I think that would be a fantastic historic find if they found the, that lost footage. Um, don't know if it would end up on a criterion. Um, I, I think, who knows? Uh, I believe, is that Warner's? That owns that yeah, now? I, it was I RKO at the so. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but you know, Criterion did get the 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 extant version, you know, and they did mm-hmm. a really nice job with it. So yeah, but I would imagine if it's actually found, it's going to be exploited to the max, so it might go through other releases before Criterion gets it, unless 4K Criterion maybe. is part <laughs> of the yeah yeah or or some kind of. Uh, yeah, some some kind of a tour obviously would happen to you know it's kind of like what happened with oh, Metropolis. Yeah, like Napoleon. Yeah, um, and th- we still haven't seen that in, in Napoleon in, in America. But, right. But yeah, it's uh, um, I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> I, I I'd love to be an optimist here. I think I would not bet for uh, you know even with pretty uh, remote odds. I mean, I'm not a betting guy anyway. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, it would it would be fantastic and uh, would be excited to see it because I, I i like i, I like the, the the version that the, the theatrical version very much mm-hmm. but you certainly can tell that it's there's a lot missing i, I even the first time before i even re- knew about the cut um I, I felt like it was an incomplete film and i actually didn't like it you know having some context uh, on mm-hmm. the second viewing uh, made me appreciate it a lot more um and, and then there's also a couple new uh janice films acquisitions so we're not getting the clues anymore, but we're, we're learning a lot of from Janus films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so story of a three day pass, uh, Melvin Van Peebles was it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he directed. I'm having my my blind. Uh, sweet sweet back's badass sweet back. song yeah, and back. watermelon man, which watermelon is man, I think yeah. currently on the channel, uh, not a physical release, but uh, yeah, Melvin Van Peebles, pretty important. Um, black director um really really one of the pioneers of sort of modern day mm-hmm. african-american cinema obviously there were people like oscar michaud way back when and others but van peebles really did you know sort of blaze some trails and i think this was made over in, in france right so he, mm-hmm. he kind of had to go into a sort of a short-term exile to even get the rights to make a film so this is this is before uh, the other films that we've, we've just mentioned. So I'm very intrigued and uh, nice to see that uh, Janice is going to, you know, give this some, some publicity and some circulation. Yeah. Well, um, uh, Martin Kessler was championing this film a long time ago, I think mm-hmm. years ago on an early episode. So uh, I'm sure he, he's happy and I, I might have to have him back uh, once this comes out to, to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Um, Van Peebles was very much inspired by Godard, and Sweetback was as well. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah. th- this will be interesting. I wonder if it'll be a more Godardian or less Godardian. I, I really, I have no idea. I, just for, other than what I've heard from Martin, not I don't know much about the film. So, but really looking forward to it. And then there's another one. Uh, it's uh, Faya Dei. I think I'm saying yeah. that right. From Jessica Bashir. 
Uh, it's her debut film, and it's a documentary. And I think that th- this is one of those rare films where I don't believe it's been released yet. So Janice got the uh, actually the North American rights and um, for this film, uh, and it's yeah it, pl- it played at Sundance. So yeah, yeah, it's not some festival stuff, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting. Uh, I I looked into a, the, you know what what it's about, and I it seems like a yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they're getting in the game. I just happen to remember that the, the last time this happened, I believe I could be mistaken. I think it was jellyfish eyes. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> tempering well, my expectations. It can only get better from there, right? <laughs> Thank you. I mean, David. I, I, I'm I'm a, not an apologist for jellyfish eyes. To me, it's like yeah, but I, you know, I, my kids are all the Pokemon generation. So I just kind of took it in that type of the thing. So, <laughs> and I watched it with a couple of my kids. Yeah. I think we've had this conversation before. Yeah, that's why we don't, that. we don't need to dredge that one. <laughs> no, up, no, but, it's, uh, a, it's a good conversation, but <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we're done. I, I think we've had a great conversation. Let's just get our short takes and piece of flair. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. So, so short takes, of course, is anything criterion that uh, we've seen lately. And I'd like to hear yours. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'll try not to go too long-winded on it since this is a short take, but I've watched Skin Game and The Legend of Black Charlie. Um, these are both films from the early 70s that uh, involve kind of a, a, a race relations dynamic, I guess you could say. Skin Game is uh, James Gardner and, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to kick myself for forgetting the guy's name. Um Let's see. I'll just have to look it up here because I don't want to slight the <laughs> black actor. But um, it's it's a story where James Garner and his uh, oh Lou Gossett. That's right. Uh, they they're kind of like a pair of con men. Lou Gossett is a black man who was born uh, uh, into freedom. He he was never been a slave, but they go around. Um, kind of running this this con game where James Garner sells Lou Gossett as a slave to somebody, some local rube as they're running around towns in kind of the American South and, and Midwest. And then, of course, after he gets his money, uh, he and Lou Gossett arranged to break out so that basically the, the slave owner has just given them a bunch of money, but they have nothing to show for it. Uh, but as you can tell, that's a pretty dangerous game. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, they end up getting in a lot of trouble. It's played off as a bit of a comedy, kind of an adventure, but it gets kind of serious and kind of grim. And then the other film is The Legend of Black Charlie, which stars a uh, former football player, Fred Williamson. And it's kind of a black exploitation spaghetti western in which Black Charlie and the original title was the use, use the N word. Um, and it was marketed as such and actually formed a bit of a franchise. They made three films. Each of those films had the N-word right there in the title. And it's basically a slave who kind of, you know, has had enough and he, you know, kind of rebels and exerts violent revenge against uh, his owners and others who are out to get him. So in a way, it's a bit of a... Uh, a fantasy uh, or kind of a, a revenge thing of, of uh, you know, former slaves kind of turning the tables and taking out kind of violent retribution against their oppressors. And uh, the, I think they're both part of the Black Westerns bundle. I'm not, maybe Skin Game might not have been because it's been off the channel for a little while. And The Legend of Black Charlie goes off the channel at the end of this month. And we thought about doing episodes 
on my podcast, but you know, I'll just say all of my guests so far have been white people. I, I have not had any people of color and we decided that we're not going to do a whole episode on the legend of black Charlie because it's kind of sensitive territory. Mm-hmm. I, I watched it to sort of engage with this. It's kind of a, uh, American mythology kind of being turned on its head and just engaging with that. And I felt it was a very, valuable experience to watch those films we are going to cover buck and the preacher um that's a sydney Poitier and harry belafonte so we're going to talk about that film because that i think has a lot of merit to it Mm -hmm. i can't say that um either of these films are are really great by any means um they they're more like interesting and educational thought pieces just to kind of see the 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 you know, the, the familiar tropes and archetypes of the American Western with this kind of race conscious, um, angle sort of brought to the forefront. So to me, it was really about watching and learning and then just applying some of the, the insights that I got from these films into our current situation where, you know, right. race issues are still extremely polarizing and, and very painful. But it's to just kind of get a better sense of, of the context of all of this stuff. And so, uh, even, even the marketing of, of, you know, films that are mainstream entertainment with the N word, like right there in the title, uh, not that long ago, 1971, 72 is when these films came out. Um, that, that tells us something about where our society's been and what it's, where it's come from and where we're at now. So, uh, yeah, that's my short take on, on those two films. I, I recommend them, but, mm-hmm. um, more, more for, for thoughtful consideration rather than, you know, entertainment value or great cinema. I will say that, uh, Buck and the Preacher is also a revisionist Western mm-hmm. and, uh, and interesting in its own right. I, I agree. It is an impressive film. So I'm looking forward to you, you covering that. Um, mine, I'll also try to keep it short, but I do have a little bit to say. Uh, I just completed the book, All Right, All Right, All Right, which is an oral history of Days and Confused. And uh, this is a movie that I love. I've, I've, I watched it when I was, you know, I, I, I high school graduate of 1990. I think I watched it, you know, in the, in the years. It, it wasn't a big hit right away. So I think I caught it from probably a local blockbuster store or something. And it spoke to me. I, you know, I, I could. I, I was not those kids exactly, but you know, I was in that direction. I, I had mm-hmm. some some high school parties, and uh, I think there's. And I think that film has something that's relatable for just about anybody. Oh yeah, I think the, you, you'll find yourself in there. Just keep looking. You yeah. might not be front <laughs> center, but, but yeah. you're in there. <laughs> you're in there. Um, and and it's also they actually mentioned this in the book that it this this film uh, it, it changes your your. Um, your take on the film or your experience really changes as you age. And, um, and so, yeah, now that I'm a, a grown man, um, I don't have kids, but if I did, I would be thinking, dang it, they're doing all this stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but, yes. but yeah, really fascinating book. There's not a lot of, um, not, I don't think there's many projects like this that you could do in oral history with so many, um, you know, in, and talk about the experience of the, of the filmmaking and the experience of the of the people involved. Uh, it was wild, wild experience. Uh, the, some shenanigans really did happen, uh, and, and a yeah. little, little racy too. And also, you know, just you know, it, it was Linkletter's breakout. Um, you know, I get maybe Slacker was, but this really launched him. Uh, this be- becoming a cult film 
And then yeah. later, I think course, Days and Confused has that soundtrack, which was kind it of does, its calling yeah. card. You know, it's kind of a classic rock greatest hits, but it's got a little, just a little bit of an edge and attitude. It's not just your standard repackaging. Um, but yeah, I think that, that really broke through whereas slackers just, you know, mm-hmm. keep Austin weird, right? It's, right, right. It's, it's got a niche audience for sure. Very, very Austin. Um, yeah, highly recommend the book um, if you can can get it. Uh, and I, I do recommend the movies. I think probably most of the listeners have seen Days and Confused. It's a very popular film. Uh, but yeah, watch, watch it again. One thing I, I I do is I when I have not watched a Criterion, I leave the shrink wrap on. And so after I – or actually midway through the book, I found that the shrink wrap was on this. And I, I realized, oh, wow, there's a wealth of uh, supplemental material. And there oh, is man. quite a quite a bit on that disc so it's an incredible package there's so is. much cool stuff in that in that it set. Yeah. so it was fun to uh watch it again uh with the uh the the, the stories in the book and yeah they talk about the soundtrack uh, they, there's a lot of matthew mcconaughey uh, but but not just him and it's it, they give uh, a lot of um interesting context or uh, attention to everybody even the real life people that inspired the film uh, so yeah highly recommend the book a lot of fun and and you learn a lot about filmmaking and how um, mm. how it's a, basically a, films are their own cultures and they are sometimes unique, sometimes inclusive, sometimes not. So yeah. I think Days was uh, the the former of, of both. So all right, <laughs> uh, and then now we have our piece of flares. So just something piece of flare, not sure. criterion. What do you got? Uh, I got uh, Audrey Hepburn in a film called Paris When It Sizzles, okay? Um, now, this is a film from, what, 60, I think it was released in 64. I think it was shot in 62. Uh, it reunites Audrey Hepburn with William Holden, who they were together in Sabrina in the early 50s, I believe, when Audrey was really just kind of breaking mm-hmm. out and becoming an iconic superstar. Uh, Paris When It Sizzles was not as successful of a reunion, but it's just really weird and odd and meta and very entertaining in that sense. Uh, Noel Coward, who we talked about earlier in the episode, he actually appears in it as a, as a film director who's commissioned William Holden's character to write a screenplay for the next big epic blockbuster. And William Holden has had some successes as in, in his character, but he's also a pretty, you know, notorious boozer. He was in real life as well as this character. And he's been dealing with writer's block and he hires Audrey Hepburn to come in and be his typist secretary as he whips together with a, like less than a day to go, kind of like the video we talked about. He's got to come up with a screenplay. And, and so what's, what's entertaining about it is that it's kind of right at the time when the, like the French new wave is kind of this big thing. So there's a lot of inside hmm. jokes and the film itself is like they're kind of tossing around different scenarios and then they end up sort of acting them out within the context of the film. So it's, it's very vampy, lots of mugging for the camera, a lot of kind of corny slapstick stuff. So for among, um, Audrey Hepburn fans, which my wife is is a huge Audrey Hepburn fan, and, and we watched on her birthday. We went out to a nice dinner, came home, watched a movie, let her pick it out. Uh, a rare privilege on my part yeah, as far as letting her choose the movie, right? But she, she, we, we looked around for an Audrey Hepburn film that we hadn't seen before, and we picked this one. She didn't like it as much as I did. I, th- I think all that insider movie-making humor about you know writer's block and whipping things together at the last minute and exploiting old cliches – uh, to me, that was very amusing, but uh, but you know, sincere Audrey heads may not 
think that this was her finest hour. And I certainly will say she's made better movies, but I will recommend it just because of all the oddness. And I think if you are kind of a, a cinephile geek, y- you might find some of that stuff funny. Some of it's, you know, when, it, when they're trying to be funny, it's not as funny, but I think there are, there are some interesting pleasures to be had. Um, and then another sort of Audrey Hepburn related is just a documentary called Audrey, which I think is either on Netflix or Prime Video. And it's just a, a, it's a biography, a documentary about the life of Audrey Hepburn. And she really is quite an amazing, impressive person beyond just the breakfast at Tiffany's posters that everybody's seen, you know, all their life. Uh, she really had an extraordinary life and is quite a, an amazing humanitarian so uh i don't know i don't let my audrey hepburn fandom come through a whole lot here she is in charade that's a criterion connection yeah. but uh paris when it sizzles was uh kind of a a bit of a a mixed bag as far as the film but but still interesting so i'll throw it out there for people to check out i watched our roman holiday recently and yeah i, I almost put that as my piece of flair maybe i i should have <laughs> but uh I, I do want to watch that documentary. Uh, I think I don't know if you knew this, but that uh, I just looked it up. That movie because I haven't seen Paris when it sizzles. It's a remake of a J- Juliana Duvivier. Yeah, film. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, twice twice in one show. We we mentioned Duvivier, but we've talked about that guy in the past. <laughs> we have some history there. Yeah. We do. Um, so so mine is the father, and I don't. This is one where I don't want to get too into it because it's a, it's a new film. Probably not a lot of people have seen it. Um, so I, I don't think these are spoilers, but I'll, I'll just say what intrigued me about this. It's not my favorite film of the year uh, of, of the Oscar noms, but, it, you know, it's it's in the upper half. I think I'm, I'm not sure where I think I'm at Minari is probably probably my favorite of that, that group, although I did like Nomadland as well. Um, the Father is interesting in that uh, it's, you know, it's a mainstream I guess you'd say an art film, but, you know, kind of the, the Oscar-y type of film. You know, it has a probably a pretty decent budget, a great acting vehicle. And there have been a lot of movies about um, uh, Alzheimer's. You know, this is a, that's the, the premise is Anthony Hopkins' character has Alzheimer's and his daughter, Olivia Coleman, uh, is, you know, kind of watching out for him, concerned about him. Uh, what they do that's interesting is they sort of, because of his uh, his condition, there's a little bit of uh, trickery as far as the uh, the narration. Um, so there's that a, a little bit of unreliable narrator. And actually, mm. I think it's good knowing that going into it. I didn't. I was fascinated by uh, you know ha- how that played out. Um, and you can, you can kind of look for it. And I think it will, will work better on rewatch actually. Although just based on the subject matter. Probably not something you're you're not going to rewatch this as many times as you will. Days and confused. <laughs> that is. Uh, great performances, a good movie. I think Olivia Coleman. Uh, first off, I think she frankly should be a lead actress. I don't know why she was nominated for supporting, but she would be my choice. I, she gives a, a really strong performance. Uh, although, again, Minari that uh, that that uh, performance was strong as well. And I think the Oscars are probably going to be around the time when this comes out. So. Uh, and we've uh, actually seen all of the nominees before the broadcast, hmm. which is, yeah, that's COVID. Everything's streaming. Well, it's easier. Yeah, but that's that's commendable because it's not necessarily. I mean, in some ways, I guess it's easy because everything's coming right into your living room if you want to right. pay for it. But still, it's still kind of an undertaking. So uh, congratulations on that. I, I'm certainly far from complete on this year's uh, nominees. 
I meant just best picture. picture oh, but, uh, okay. Yeah. So hey, yeah, yeah. I, and we've seen a good many of the of the others, but not all of them. Of course, foreign films are, are tougher to see. But uh, sure. but yeah, The Father, I recommend it. It's a good movie. And, yeah, um, no, I definitely def- wanted to check it out. I, we actually saw Minari in the theater. We had a little window where we could go to the nice. movie, so we saw that in the theater and we saw the trailer for The Father. So yeah, I definitely got to check that out. So thanks for the recommendation there. Yeah. All right. Well, we're uh, we're all wrapped up. So. Um, where can people find you? Uh, of course, Criterion, Criterion Cast, as we mentioned. Yeah, at the beginning. yeah, yeah, that's where I publish my stuff. Um, I got else? a, I got a group on Facebook called Criterion Reflections, the group, and uh, I do say if you want to interact with me there, that's the place. And then TikTok is kind of my my main jam these days on social media. <laughs> uh, D, so it's D L B. It's my initials. D E E dot E L L dot B E E. Just throw a link in the show notes, Aaron, please. I will. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I've been I've been on a little bit of a hiatus the last couple of days, but I've been trying to at least throw one or two clips a day up there. A lot of it's just people asking me questions. Show me this, show me that, or you know, hmm. give me a ranking of your best, uh, whatever, um, you know, Wes Anderson movies or whatever. So I try to just kind of have some fun with it, and um, you know, also just shout out my podcasting and stuff, and uh, and really just again just enjoying this the discipline of doing everything within fifty nine seconds. You know, it's like <laughs> the the other other side of podcasting. Get your get your oh, message yeah. out there in a little blip, <laughs> and uh, and have some fun with it. So that's that's what I'm doing these days. Sometimes brevity can can create good art. So I, I I'm, yeah, you're you're a lot cooler than me. Even the your your handle, I would not have thought about that. In fact, I'm going to have to ask you offline how to figure out how to get that link <laughs> to put in the show notes. Okay. But, yeah. But, I, I can send it to you. So, and so, yeah, you can, you can just say, okay, boomer to me. I'm not a boomer, but. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a boomer, I guess. Okay, I, I boomer. I think of myself more emotionally more Gen X, but uh, yeah. I was born in 61. What can I say? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you can you can find this show at Criterion Cast. Uh, again, the Master Feed is probably the best place to listen to all these shows. Uh, support the Patreon; you get the unedited versions. And uh, there were some recording issues for a couple, so you, the, a couple didn't get up there. But I think we're going to give you early access for one, the Kaiju episode, and also um, this one. I expect will get unedited. But of course, if you're hearing this, <laughs> you know. Um, also, uh, you can go to the Criterion Now Facebook group. We have a lot of fun, as mentioned, with the polls are always a, a big a big deal a couple of days before release day. And, um, and yeah, we have a, a lot of people post news and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, and check out David's stuff. So, yes, great. great David, great to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, thanks All for coming right. on. Thanks, Aaron. It's been a blast. Talk to you soon.